Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. Plan for Life Now, episode number 60. Oh boy. Big 60. It just this seems is... like yesterday when it was episode 50 and yeah. we did our big anniversary. <laughs> 60, that's not a that's not an anniversary or big number that you'll be celebrating this year, right? <laughs> not quite. I'm glad we have a good close partnership. No, I'm not there <laughs> yet. Your no, I'll be 58, 58 in a couple weeks, so I still have a couple years before All right. I'm 60. All right, but this is episode number 60. Uh, we had a couple things we wanted to talk about, and I always hesitate to talk about anything, I don't want to say anything too topical, because hopefully it's all relatively topical, but anything that could change from the time we talk about it to the time you're actually listening to it, which you know might be a week later or so. And this is one that's probably going to change or maybe not happen at all, but I think it's something we should all pay attention to. It is this Secure Retirement Act. And if you've been paying any attention to this, uh, and there's there's several clients that we have who are paying very close attention to it, because this is something that passed the House earlier in the year, one version of it, 417 to 3. Yeah, that's, that's bipartisan support right, right there. That's sort of unheard of. You know, it doesn't usually happen. And the, the whole idea behind this Secure Retirement Act, you know, as they say, is to modernize some of the retirement plan practices that are out there. And a lot of it, if it doesn't apply to you, it's not going to mean a whole lot. Um, there's some rules around safe harbor provisions. There's some rules around allowing part-time workers to participate in 401k plans. Um, and some rules around multi-company plans, allowing small employers to band together and get a, a less expensive plan. That stuff's all well and good. That's, that's nice. And like I said, if that applies to you, probably really important. But here's where I see it hitting our clients, and thus the people listening to this, where I think it's most important if this all passes the way that it's set up. And that's changing the RMD rules from the current 70 and a half, right. whatever, I've never gone back and researched this, but I always imagine there must have been some sort of compromise where they said, we want RMDs to be at 70. Somebody else said 71. And they agreed on be, 70 and a half. Had to be that. Because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But the, the proposal is to push back RMDs until 72. You know, the argument being, People are living longer. Uh, you know, they shouldn't be forced to take money out as soon. 
So for a lot of clients that don't have to, don't need the money, it'd be nice to let those RMDs sit in there for another couple of years. Oh, absolutely. It changes a lot of the planning we do. Yeah. It, and it changes a lot of what we do with clients as we're preparing to have to take money out of qualified money and how that goes. Now we can delay that. If that passes, I think that's a, that's great. Yeah. I don't know how it's good for the coffers of the United States, but well, that's not our problem. The United States isn't I our mean, client last time I checked. Ultimately it is all of our problems, but you're right. Specifically it's, it's, it's not. It's not our direct problem. Right. And here, I mean, here's a sort of an offshoot that as I'm thinking this through, you know, a lot of time what we will wind up doing with clients is if they're delaying taking social security till 70 and maybe they retired in their early mid sixties, we have these several years where they don't have RMDs yet and they're not taking social security. Relatively speaking, they're in a lower tax bracket and we might do a lot of Roth conversions. So I'm, I'm probably just thinking of this because the client we met with last night would really be able to take advantage of this. And, you know, if they could do some couple extra years of Roth conversions without having that RMD boost their income way up, that could make a big difference. Yeah. Great. So, and then I'm sure we'll come up with other, and yeah, other advisors, other. we'll come up with other planning ideas that if this passes. But like you said, it might not happen. I read something today. Now, today, just for you listening, is just so you put this in context, this is the day that it hasn't happened yet. Right. But apparently, I don't know if you've been watching the news, apparently Donald Trump might be impeached today. Oh, okay. So that's today. And then I read that this Friday, so today is Wednesday. The 18th. Friday, in a couple of days, is the day this is supposed to get signed and passed. Yeah. I'm thinking like, so, by the president, I'm thinking, you think he'll have other things on his mind? Right. He's Maybe. He's got a lot of tweeting to do. I'm not sure how time. Hopefully he'll get around to just signing this thing here, sign this. Okay. And right. then that would be that. So hopefully when you're listening to this, this is in fact in effect. Well, hopefully. We'll That's listen. why I said I almost hesitated to talk about it, but I think these two impacts, moving RMDs to 72 and this next thing, which is this, you, you mentioned, well, moving it to 72, that's less money coming in for the government. That's got to be made up somehow. How about this? Inherited IRAs have to be distributed out within 10 years. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. So <laughs> That's how they're going to do it. I actually now, totally forgot about that. Now, just so you know, if you're not sure of the way it, it currently stands, right now you are allowed to do essentially an RMD out of an inherited IRA that would stretch those distributions over your life expectancy. So you inherit an IRA, your, your mother, your father, your aunt, uncle, whoever dies, you're 40 years old, you could be taking distributions for the next 40 years out of that account. Right. And by the way, deferring taxes all along the way. Okay, Or but if we're just gonna be more realistic, whatever, maybe it's your 50s or 60s. Okay. When this, who knows when it happens, but it's certainly stretched out for a long period of time with a right. relatively small RMD yeah. to take. So one proposal, at least the house version of this was to do that over 10 years. So doesn't matter about your life expectancy, you know, you inherited a million dollars, you got to take out round numbers, a hundred thousand per year and deplete that within 10 years. Right. That's, that's obviously going to impact our clients and the people we work with a lot more because we're seeing more and more of this every year. Right. And if it's an inherited IRA, it's still going to be at my 
the person who inherited it tax rate. Yeah. So the younger you are, the more likely you're earning. Well, yeah. Say you're still. And say, it's going to be a high amount of tax. Yeah. Say you're still working. You're still earning income. Boom. Now you got to take an extra hundred thousand off. You know, my example there. Whoa. Now, I saw a Senate version of this, because, of course, you always have to reconcile the bills between the, the House and the Senate there. I saw a Senate version of this that had the distribution requirement over four years or over five years. Right? So that part was more strict, but you could exclude the first $400,000 of money inherited. Right? This is all going to get very confusing right. very fast. But basically saying, you know, what it's trying to do is saying for those smaller, smaller being under $400,000 accounts, that you don't have to take that out over a, a, a shorter period of time. Gotcha. For the bigger accounts, you would. Hmm. No. So well, probably by the time you're listening to this, we'll have some resolution, you know, some resolution in terms of yes, it passed or no, it got kicked down the road, but... Maybe by the next time we do a podcast, I, I'm which pretty will sure will certainly be some sort of change by then. In the earliest, a few weeks from now, we'll maybe we'll have more definitive details on this. Right. All right. So we'll keep an eye on all that stuff for you, in case you're not someone who's sitting there following this constantly. But Dave, you had told me yesterday, or at least started to tell me a story. Right. I was about thinking, a friend of a friend. Yeah. It's like I'm not even going to reveal anything because I don't like to, but. Here's yeah. the story. And the story to me is like, it's always, it's pretty hard to explain what we do or what financial advisors do to help people. Uh, you can explain it now, but it's easier to explain it in a story like this with someone who's basically said, eh, I don't need any of that. And then what occurs in this? So this person, I'm not even going to say if it's male or female because I just want to okay. leave this. Doesn't matter. I don't want anyone to think this is them if they were to happen to listen to this podcast. Can't believe you First talk of all, about chances me. are this person would never hear the podcast, but right. just in case, they won't even know. So this person, okay, <clears throat> eh, what we in the business call a do-it-yourselfer okay. and did well in stocks at the times you would think in the last 20 years people would do well in stocks. That would be before the tech bubble. The late 90s. If you remember the late 90s, everybody was a stock genius. Right. Everybody quitting. They're not quitting, but they're, you know, a lot of people were doing a second job, which was trading stocks because I'm so good at it, yep. mainly because the stock market was just going up and up and up at that time. Then you had the tech bubble went down and then it went up again. That's when everybody the was great recession. That's when everybody were real estate geniuses. Remember, <laughs> right. we all switched from being stock geniuses okay. to now we're gonna flip properties. But this person did well in the tech bubble, lost a lot, started to make it back. And right around that time, 2008, would have been a good time, I think, for this person to maybe see a financial advisor. Mm -hmm. Because in that position, uh, I think early 60s maybe at the time, around 2008, something like that, where it's time to start to come up with a retirement plan, wanting to retire uh, 10 years later right. in this particular situation. Had, you know, seemingly had maybe a million dollars or something like that. Um, the decision made though was a couple things. A, I don't want to hear the advice of advisors. So there, there was an advisor who would have been more like us, was basically saying, hey, your million dollars, you don't want to take some of that, a good chunk of it. You have no pension, mm -hmm. right? All you're going to have Social Security. 
might want to take some of that and put it in some sort of annuity that's going to guarantee some right. income there. Think right. about that. To and, take a portion of, of the risk off the table and basically say, right. gear this towards income. Right. And especially that time frame happened to be a good time where you had a lot of choices of a whole bunch of different kinds of variable yeah. annuities at the time that way you could grow your assets. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're paying a higher fee, but also good income riders and stuff like that. That would, if you were to look back, hey, pretty good right now. Take some of that money, take some off the table, <laughs> and do that yep. with it, knowing you're going to be retiring, right? Um, and then, you know, keep invested and then sort of go from there and put a game plan together. Also, a long time ago, this person decided, by a long time ago, I mean absolute prime time to get long-term care insurance. Nah, that's not for me. Now, I don't know how I do that. <laughs> I don't might, know where I got that info from. They might or might not have spoken. Who to knows? No, I don't know. Right. But anyway, so, okay. So now you flip to now and it's retirement time. And it's, what are, what's, what are you looking at? The person wants to live off a certain amount. What do people do in these situations in 2008? I'm pulling, I went from being uh, basically my own stockbroker and, not listening to other people's advice to get, I'm taking money off the table now until it gets better. Yeah. Which we've had many conversations. So now this person has some money, but uh, we'll say a lifestyle that requires a certain amount in retirement. Right. And the advice of her current advice, and this is all secondhand. So I would, I don't think any advisor would advise this, but you mm -hmm. know, we, and maybe if you're our client, you know how we go through software we do. We look at what's coming in and what's not coming in. We come up with an amount of money that you can take off your portfolio. Right. This portfolio is, I'm going to guess, it's about $900,000. The game plan is to be able to take off, you could take off 100000 of this for 10 years and you'll be fine. Yeah. This person's early 70s. So what's the plan after That's 10 years? That's the plan. There is none. Then after 10 years, you have to this die. Is what I. This is the story. This is what I basically heard. Right. And knowing all this, this is what it boils down to. Even, I think there might be some people out there. I remember some people might say, I have a million dollars and I take 100000 off and it's going to last 10 years. What's the problem? Hmm. Or I have nine or $800,000. Well, the problem is you're projected to live much longer than that. Right. And the problem is... When you have no money, then what are you going to live on? <laughs> and it, it, in other words, that's where they come up with the 3% rule, the 4% rule, the rule of how much you can really take off that asset yeah. and survive. Well, and, and you bring up... But it all to me, it all stems from a lack of, or the feeling. And I'm not saying that there are lots of people out there who don't need a financial advisor who would not be in this situation. Then again, others are in this situation. Mm -hmm. And I, I would always temper. Now, look where we are now. A time period, again, where you find a lot of people thinking, well, you know, the stock market's going up some years a little, some years a lot. Um, you're projecting things out in your head, not thinking about the long-term history. Right. And I think a lot of people, that mistake that was really made 10 years ago and even 15 years ago, we're in the same kind of cycle of time where those mistakes can be made again. Well, I mean, you bring up, you're talking about this person, and it makes me think of some of the most successful investors that, that we've worked with are people that, like just a couple of months ago, one of our clients called up and said, gosh, you know, market is 
just on fire. Everything is up so far this year, way up. Well, why don't we take $100,000 off the table and just pull back a little bit? You know, I said, you know what? It's probably not a bad idea. Let's go ahead and do that. And, and we did because, you know, frankly, having that money a little bit safer, a little bit more protected, you know, probably makes sense. Right. But this also falls under the category of selling high. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. But the the worst kind of investors will never do that because they're always worried about missing out on the rest of the up, right? But what happens is they, when everything crashes down, they wind up experiencing all of the down. The best investors, the people that are most sensible about it, they don't have that feeling of regret. Okay, you know what? I sold a year too early. You know, I didn't sell at the exact high in the market. Eh, I would have been nice to do that, but I still know that I'm okay, right? It, it, it makes you more secure on the downside. Yeah, you missed out on some more of the upside. The greedy investors, the ones who want to stay in it, oh gosh, why would I go to bonds or cash or annuities or anything? Those are the ones that I, I see wind up getting crushed the most because they, they never want to get out of stocks when everything's going up. They want to try to, to keep riding that wave up there. Yep. And I just find this stuff still, you can make mistakes and you could have a pension or social security <laughs> and a pension. And you know what? You right. made some mistakes oh, with the well. reality and you need to pull out a hundred thousand. Well, no, you don't need to pull out a hundred thousand. All you really need to pull out is 25,000 or something right. like that. And but when you don't you have some mistakes and oh, well, but when you don't have a net, which is AKA a pension, pension yeah. now these mistakes are magnified and you come up with a plan where you came up with yourself or got a yes person. So some financial advisors are yes people. They're just gonna say something that you wanna hear and yeah. say it, yeah, it'll last 10 years, okay, cool. But the bottom line is you're then working without a net and you're in a way more precarious position. Right. All right. Thanks for joining us. I hope everybody has a happy and safe holiday, whatever you celebrate, and a happy new year. Yep. Happy new year, everybody. And we will talk to everyone again next year. 